Okay. So now I'll turn on this recorder with my multiple redundant recording system. So today we talk about transformations, um, and we might get the postdoc test too. These these are two sort of little short self-contained items, both pretty useful. Um, so we had we did analysis of variance, of course, last time. Come to look at our data with EDA, see what, what looks like a difference. We did the analysis of variance, we had nothing. This happens. Now, this should alarm you because, in fact, as my PhD supervisor used to say, statistics are there to prove what you already know. You should be able to look at your data and know what happened, and then do the stats to make sure that you know there wasn't a problem with you know any chance and all that kind of stuff. So the most likely culprit here is the violation of assumption. If you remember last time, I said that if you get a number less than one in an analysis variance, like really technically that should be impossible, right? Because it's tau plus epsilon over epsilon. And and the whole square quantities happen to be less than one. It actually can be because the math behind all this stuff assumes that we have not violated any assumptions. We violate assumptions, the math doesn't work out. So it could just be something that simple. Um, it also may be the case that you just you look, you don't get a significant F, so you get you're looking for say six and you get an F of three, and you're like, this is so clearly different. So it's quite often a violation of an assumption. It also might be the case that the variances overlap so much that there really isn't a difference. That's why when you do a graph, a histogram of some sort, you want error bars, right? Plus or minus a standard deviation, plus or minus a standard error, whatever you want to use. Those two quantities now are quite clearly different because they don't overlap. But if, if the error bars look like this, They are different. So there's so much variation that there really is no difference between those two values, right? So that could be the case. So that's why you don't, you don't just look at means, you always look at variances and standard deviations or whatever. So really, it's quite often the case that the variance is just way too different from each other, and they shouldn't be, right? What's one of the key assumptions of this? Homogeneity of variance. We have the same variance values for each group. So it's quite often the, the, the assumption you're violating is the homogeneity of variance assumption. If you violated something else like uh, independent observations, you may as well just quit playing science. Because you don't have to have an experiment. Okay. That was cool. Different transition there. Like that. So what can be done? <clears throat> or in the words of Vladimir Ilyich Ulyanov, better known to the world as Lenin, what is to be done? That's not really a quote. Because he was a murdering totalitarian. But we can actually transform our data. Hmm. Some sort of mathematical operation to transform our data. In other words, we're going to divide the values by something, or add something to all the values, or take the square root of all the values. We're going to change the scale. Some people think it's like cheating. Well, you're just doing things to your numbers till they, till they show you they're different. Actually, it's not like I'm saying, well, these two groups don't mark different. Well, you had 26 all the numbers over here, and that's going to be different. That is cheating. 
find anything. I didn't find that vaccines cause autism. Let's make up cases. That's called cheating. Right? On the other hand, here's a simple transformation. We take a number and we multiply it times 9 fifths and add 32. What the hell have you just done? Celsius is a term. That's all that is. Okay? There's a rule of thumb when you when they went over to we can't over to metric. In nineteen seventy-four. Uh, I was in grade four, so I learned the imperial system for two years, and then we switched over. So I don't really know any measurement system. I know a hodgepodge. Right? I know how way far away things are in meters when I'm doing something like fixing something that has to do with all the inches and, and you know. 30 seconds of an inch, put it down the floor, and I said to my daughter, is there a piece of tile over there that's about 12 and 5 eighths? And she goes, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> temperature outside in, in, in Fahrenheit, or sorry, Celsius, temperature in my, uh, my sister's pool, was when I was brought up, I grew up in that house, my mom's dad's house. And, uh, that's all that in Fahrenheit. So I'm just confused. But when, when they switched over to the weather in Fahrenheit or to Celsius. They gave us a rough rule of thumb, which is double it at 30. But technically, it's multiplied times 9 fifths and at 32. And we all know that Celsius degrees and Fahrenheit degrees, it's still measuring the same thing. Right? So something about that, it's just, just a transformation. You do transformations all the time. You ever go, you go over there, you go over there to the, go to that back door over in there? Over there by the drinks? Over the drinks? Yeah, there you go. But you see, you're saving money at that point. We're losing money now because our dollar's worth more, right? Or when you go over there, I hate people call it cross. Cross what? <laughs> We're going cross. Stupid. Fuck. I hate it. It's a stupid expression. We're going across. I'm going to go across this. <laughs> Is that good enough? Oh, I'll go across this line. Whatever we think. Anyway, see, I wasn't. I didn't grow up here. So it was a weird, stupid expression. Piss me off. <laughs> they don't realize it. I just thought it was First time I heard it, though, it went across what? What do you mean across? Anyway. So, I don't know, I, I can't find my keys. I'm just so upset. Um, <laughs> so, anyway, when you go there, you go buy, uh, you go buy, uh, you go buy some sort of milk. You buy the milk? I like the milk. And you're like, oh, it's $2 for a gallon. Oh, man, I gotta do all kinds of I've got to convert gallons into liters. It's 3.78 liters in a U.S. gallon. And then I've got to convert their money into my money. And right now, of course, it's roughly a par. But there was a time, not long ago, for a dollar with 65 cents. Right? And you go, and the dumb guy would look at it and go, hey, look, their gas is cheap. That's cheap milk. You know, you know, you're gonna multiply that times like 1.53. I can't do. I can't multiply times decimals. <laughs> Stop doubling that thirty. See, <laughs> so, so, so we all know it's still money. Money's money, right? And, 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 and measurement is measurement. So it's an important thing to keep note of that. That's all we're doing. We do it all the time. We do it all the time. So all you're doing is you're changing the units. US dollars to Canadian dollars, gallons to liters, Fahrenheit to Celsius. 
right? In other words, compare, always taking the, uh, the idea of imperialist units and turning them into peace-loving units. <laughs> Sometimes I like talking like that from North Korea. I like that, that uh, transition. Okay, here's one. It's called the logarithm tra log transformation, or logarithm transformation. It's taking the logarithm number. We talk about logarithms, all it's doing is it, very simply, log of 10 equals 1, log of 100 equals 2, log of 1 equals 0, log of 1,000 equals 3, go on and on and on. It's just taking, and that's log base 10. So in other words, 10 squared equals 100. 10 to the 1 equals 10. 10 to the 3 equals 1,000. 10 to the 0 equals 1. So that's one way to go. And in fact, if you think there's a lot of units that are like that, decibels are like that, right? So if you go 70 decibels, it's 10 times higher than 60. It's a logarithm scale. Okay. Um, one, like a, a, a earthquake that's a seven is ten times more powerful than an earthquake that's a six. So that when we had here in Ontario, remember that crazy earthquake we had? It was a five, which is basically nothing. That's a five. <laughs> now, some people that aren't very bright, they hear that the one that had in Haiti was like a you know, it was a 108, 7.7. But it's only two more than we have. Yeah, no, it's 100 times, idiot. Right? It's a logarithmic scale. What this is going to do, and you can see what it does here, look. If we went a log of 10,000 is 4, and the log of 10 is 1, what's it going to do? It's going to pull down really big numbers, a lot more than it pulls down small numbers. Right? Makes sense? So reaction times, things like that, anything with an exponential kind of curve, beautiful for this. In fact, you almost do it as a matter of course with things like reaction time. You do it almost automatically. Oh, there's a problem. If you have a negative value, there's no, you can't get the logarithm of negative anything. Well, anything is just zero below. It's impossible. That's an undefined quantity. I'll just add a, add a constant to all of them. The log of x plus 5. That 5 will better hurt everybody. Right? By the way, we typically don't use log base 10. There's some weird, there's a weird number called e, which is the base of the natural logarithm. Instead of base 10, it's base e. And e is 2.71828. It's like one of those things like pi. It's one of those magic weird constants in the universe. It shows up, if you remember, E was in the uh, equation for the normal distribution. It, just, it shows up all over the place. Okay. Doesn't matter. And it might, if you have a calculator, it might say ln, which means log of the natural logarithm. Or it might say log D. We typically write, we just write log without a base, we mean 10. You can do log 3, log base 2, log base 5, whatever. Or you might just put, if you do log base e, it means ln. Same thing. Pretty simple thing to do. And it pulls down these big values. 
So we're talking here, you want with base 10, so log of x plus k, whatever k is. It's constant, so it doesn't matter. It shifts everything over. Then you pull home. Make sense? You see what the logarithm does? You see where you're going to use it? Right? You always use a square root transformation. This is actually used a lot with counted data. Something funny happens with counted data. And I don't want to get. This is one of the few classes I'm going to go all kind of cookbook on you and not get all up the math line. Counted data tend to have a problem. And that problem is that the means are proportional to the variances for groups. It's just a, it's a property of what happens in counted data. So it's like how many of these? How many visits to a feeder were? Etc. That kind of thing. And look, if the means are proportional to the variances, that means the bigger the, the variance, or the mean, the bigger the variance is, you don't want that, you want them all the same. The beautiful thing is, you can take the square root of the original number, and that fixes that problem. Again, if you've got numbers like that are negative, or you've got a lot of zeros, probably add a constant. 8, 7.3, no one really cares. And again, if you ever look at uh, data in a, in a paper that have counted data of any sort, you very often see that they mention, we did a square root transformation. Okay? So if you've got means of proportional variances, this is so, this is so much where I, uh, uh, EDA is key. If you've got that, there you are. Fix it up with a square root. There's the reciprocal transformation. Reciprocal just is one over, right? This basically makes the range small. Right? In fact, sometimes, depending on the numbers, if you have no numbers that are less than one, it'll take them all and make them between zero and one. So it just makes the range small, which is going to make, as you can probably tell, and especially with big numbers, it's going to take big variances away. <clears throat> this is used a lot um, in latencies. So you're not except for reaction times. Reaction times, they're, they're, they're tend to be logarithmically distributed. But with latencies, like running time, if you've got rats running, running down a, a, running in a maze, take a certain amount of time to finish the task. You know what you're doing there? All you're doing with latencies is you're taking time and converting it to speed. Because speed is just, you know, like say, meters per second, not seconds, right? You're making the reciprocal. That's, that's all it is. She's turning time into speed. Distance equals speed. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you take the reciprocal. So it's like 
If your number was seven, now it's a second. Okay. So seven is one over seven, a million is one over a million, one is still one. Point one becomes ten. It's crazy. It's just, it's almost too easy. That's what the what the fraction of. Okay, here's one that's a little weird. This was a little long. This is the arc science transformation. Okay, this is used with proportions. Proportions tend to be, you know, so like what proportion of this, so you know, numbers between zero and one. And it tends to be that you have a lot more numbers around, say between say 40 and 60 than you do with the extremes, completely full or completely empty, like 1.0 or zero. So you get this weird thing where you get a big fat variance in the middle and small ones at either end. Now there's a mathematical way to deal with that. And that's, so you have two tails that are stretched out and a fat thing in the middle. You don't want that. Again, you're violating the homogeneity variance assumption. Um, you take, and this is where it's weird, you take the square root of the number, Okay, so the original value you have, take the square root of that number, and you might have to add a constant to be easy if you've got a value less than zero. And then you take the arc sine of that number and multiply it times two. Arc sine is a trigonometric function. It's the opposite of sine. Right? Remember sine equals cosine over tangent, right? Triangles. Geometry, angle side angle, lots of I love that stuff. It's so cool. You know what? You don't even have to know trigonometry because everything, uh, it's not like you have to get a keyless out of your calculator. Any of these things. SPSS will be the arc sine transformation for you so easily, so will, you know, Excel or any of the other things. So what you're doing is you're taking the square root first, then taking the arc sine of that value and multiplying it times two. That's mathematically what it takes the fixed proportional data. Okay? And this happened a, oh, a couple years ago. One of my honor students was, I, I, yeah, Shauna, Shauna Barrett. And she was analyzing her data, and she was looking at it. Didn't you hear no Shauna? Because I'll do my impression on it. Okay. Um, so she was analyzing her data, and she said, I can't believe that nothing happened. We hate you. <laughs> That's just how she felt. Except there's a, the word F is in it a lot. She's dropping the F bomb every three, four seconds. I can't believe it. I hate you. These just didn't work. You suck. <laughs> and I said, did you arc sign tra transform your data? Proportions, you know. No, I didn't. You think I am? You did a TA for 3256, you should actually know this. So we sat down at the computer, we did it, and it actually she found a small effect. Not what she was looking for, but she had something to discuss in her honor system. Yep. Um, can you give an example of when, like, what proportions? Oh, so like uh, you're looking at, 
Are proportion to correct responses? Something like that. Okay. Oh, oh, so what you have is you might have one group, like let's say you have three groups. Okay. So we have three groups. We'll call group one, group two, and group three. Typically, what you're going to have is if it's a proportion, you're going to have a whole lot of values. If you go to group, let's say group two, their means around 0.5. Okay. There's a lot of place to move there because to get a mean of 0.5, you can have numbers like that. 1.0 and 0. They balance each other out. So 0.5, 0.7, 0.3, 0.6, 0.4, 0 0.5. So let's say we get a value around. So there's 0.5. There's 1.0. So group two will put their mean at 0.5. Group three will put their mean at one. And group one, we're going to say their mean is zero. If your mean is one in proportion, what's your variance? Okay, pushing one at 0.9. It's very small. It has to be. Because you can't go above 1.0 to balance that really low one. Same thing down here. So we'll say this was more like there. And uh, let's lower that a little. So it's about 0.95, and that's 0.5 and 0.05. And the same thing happens with the variance of the one on the left of group one, because it has to be really small, because you can't go below zero to balance that violence, right? So the variance is here at these extremes. They're going to be very small. The variance here in the middle might be that big. And even though there is clearly a difference there, the A noble will look at it and go, no, nope, nothing happened. Let me see here, move on. Go back to your home. Let me see here, come on, move on. And now it's where he talks to me. That's what I like this. Does that make sense, though? You see what I'm saying? Why that would happen? Yeah. So that's why you, you do this transformation and you'll still get blah, 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 like that. But the variance in the middle is down to the spread size. Yeah, it's really cool. You also might use it, proportion is also percentage correct. Right? And I, in fact, once had an argument with my PhD supervisor, and I almost always lost those. Because she's very, very bright. Yes. No, go Is this a, like an example? Uh, that is a transformation, yeah. Yeah, sure. It's because, I mean, if I, I multiply times a constant, that's a transformation. I'm changing the, the scale, in essence. Sure. Sarah said to me, well, you have percentage correct. You should aren't assigned to transform those. And I said, why? She said, you always aren't assigned to transform percentages. I said, no, I don't. She said, but that's what people do. I said, I don't care. I already found the effect. I don't need to do it. It, it overly complicates my thesis. One of the few arguments I ever won with it. You don't always just transform your data. It's not like I collected my data, now I'm going to play with it mathematically. You know, the first thing you do, you do your EDA, and you see if everything's fine. If the variances are messy, it's a way to go, it's a possibility. Okay? And I gave you some rough guidelines today to figure out which ones to pick.
If you're bidding on violate assumptions, or if the assumption violation isn't so extreme that it doesn't, that it makes you find your, doesn't make you, sorry, that it makes you not find your result, don't worry about it. It's harder to explain to people. When you're, you know, you don't just do it willy-nilly, right? Even if it's what I, you know, look, if it's reaction time, you almost have to. But, because it's probably going to turn out you're going to get that extreme variance at one end and very small at the other. Proportions is exceedingly common. It doesn't always have to be the case. You always present your data untransformed. So if you show a graph, you show the untransformed data. You don't show, I know what proportion correct means. I don't know what two times the arc sine square root of the proportion correct means. I have no clue. You know what that means? A logarithmic scale I can read. I've seen enough of those. But these other things, I don't know what they are. Who times the arc sign square root? I, I don't know what that would be. I, but I know if there's two alternatives, 50% is chance. That's easy. I know 100% is perfect. I don't know what two times the arc sine square root of 1.0 is. I just don't know. And I choose not to. So you always present the untransformed data, but you analyze the transformed data. You always say in your paper, I transformed the data because of violation of assumption. Right? Oh, by the way, there are going to be 